welcome to episode five of the GAM Talks podcast. Today we're joined by Tom Mansley, Investment Director, Asset Backed Fixed Income. Tom talks about a range of subjects, including what he considers to be the most interesting aspects of mortgage-backed securities, where he sees opportunities in the MBS market going forward, and his involvement with the Nova Hope project. Don't forget to listen to our important legal information at the end of this podcast. I'm joined by Tom Mansley. Welcome, Tom. Thank you. For you, Tom, what are the most interesting aspects of mortgage-backed securities? Well, I find the mortgage-backed security market to be quite fascinating in terms of a financial market. Um, there are a, a lot of factors that interplay with each other. The main three are interest rate risk, because, of course, they're bonds, prepayment risk, because the homeowner can refinance at any time without a penalty, so effectively they own a call option, and credit risk. And they are also dependent upon each other, so it complicates the problem a bit. For example, when interest rates go down, that is typically associated with higher prepayments, and if they're going down because the economy is getting worse, that's going to also be associated with deteriorating credit. Uh, so it's a relatively complicated problem that doesn't have a simple answer and makes the market really interesting. And given that it, that it is a fairly complex market and some of the instruments therein are fairly complex, is it, is it difficult to explain what you do to investors, Tom? Um, well, it's both complex and simple at the same time. Uh, clearly, some of the models that we use to model consumer behavior can be relatively complex. But the basic concept is relatively simple. If you think about the life cycle of the whole mortgage from the origination process to when it gets put into a package of securities and structured and then distributed to investors, it's the entire process of taking savings from the older segment of the population and have that flow down to allow the younger population to obtain housing. And it's a relatively simple yet fascinating process all at the same time. Now, I, I still find it amazing that um, that the US MBS market is actually larger than the corporate bond market. It's the second biggest fixed income uh, sector behind s- treasuries. Is that is that something that's n- still not widely known or understood? The mortgage-backed securities market in the United States is highly developed. Uh, it has been around for quite a while, and it's relatively large at approximately $8 trillion. If you think about the size, however, relative to the housing market in the United States, the housing market has a value of approximately $30 trillion. Uh, About one-third of that is financed through debt, and the rest is actual equity in homes. So if you think about that, that means you have about $10 trillion of debt outstanding, of which about three-quarters is securitized. So it makes sense, and I would love to see the rest of the world catch up in terms of securitizing a lot of the debt and allowing for a broader home ownership across various countries. I've seen you saying um, uh, last year, I know you mentioned that there, there is this kind of move away from the influence of government policy back towards fundamentals. Is that something that's still happening and, and presenting opportunities? Uh, yeah, a couple of things are happening there. Uh, one of the most 
easiest was the merging of Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac's back office, for example. Uh, they're both part of the U.S. government at this point, so it made no sense to have two middle and back offices. And very recently, they've also merged the issuance. So they are no longer issuing Fannie Mae guaranteed mortgage-backed securities and Freddie Mac guaranteed mortgage-backed securities in the residential market. It's just one U-ticker. So that is being made more efficient. Um, another thing they've done lately is they've raised the guarantee fee. And you may think that may not make a lot of sense because agencies are highly profitable as they are, but they do charge a fee in order to guarantee the credit of the mortgages that they insure. However, by raising that fee, it makes private credit more competitive. So that is a step the government is taking in order to try to reduce the footprint of the agencies. There is also some reform that is being looked at at this point to try to spin them out of government control, but that is going to be a relatively long process, and we'll see where that ends up. And we're now uh, a, a decade-plus um, post the, the global financial crisis. How has the MBS market developed since then? And given the, the, the kind of the, the, some of the, the instruments that were that were created that were, were responsible for the global financial crisis, has there been something of an element of, of rebuilding people's confidence in MBS? There are two main driving forces that are at play here. One is regulation, and the other is market discipline. Mm-hmm. The first on the regulatory front, it started with the Dodd-Frank Act, which was a reaction to a lot of what happened during the crisis. And underwriting is much better. Uh, also, there are risk retention things that need to be in place in order to securitize in this market today. A lot of that was missing back in the time of the crisis, and that was really the crux of the problem, was that the person originating the mortgage didn't really have any skin in the game, if you will, in terms of the actual performance of those mortgages going forward. So that has been changed. The other big thing is the market discipline. Uh, Participants are much more disciplined. Um, in terms of the, what they're wanting to buy, and that has flowed right back to the origination and structuring process. So the product that's being produced today is a much higher quality. In terms of the opportunities that, that are being presented now, are there, are there plenty of, um, of mispricing opportunities? Is that is that common? Uh, yes. So first of all, in the non-agency space, credit is still far too cheap given the stability of the returns that you're able to achieve. And then in the agency space, uh, there are complex bonds that are created on a regular basis and there always have been. And there you can also pick up an extra few hundred basis points by purchasing those, hedging them properly and simply earning the return as a normal piece of the mortgage market. Because when we start with a a pile of mortgages, say a billion dollars worth of mortgages in a pool. Some people want a bond which is much simpler and safer than the raw mortgage itself, which leaves something left behind, which is relatively complex. But like I said, has an extra few hundred basis points of yield associated with it. And that's where mortgage professionals such as ourselves get involved. And we will buy those, hedge those, and earn the returns just to facilitate the normal issuance of collateralized mortgage obligations. Yeah. And I know you, you have a, a background in mathematics. Has, has that been and does that continue to be very useful for your, for your work in the, in the area of MBS? 
Oh, absolutely. Um, first of all, early in my career, it was extremely helpful as I was actually one of the people that built the models that we all use today. That's how I started out in, in mortgages, mm-hmm. um, was modeling and such. Now, however, it's more about thinking and analyzing problems and markets like a mathematician. It's just a way of thinking that you learn and simply never stop using. How did you originally get into the the area of of MBS, Tom? Uh, Well, I started in the consumer credit area, actually, uh, focusing on credit cards and such and modeling that behavior and applying risk management techniques to understand how Chase and J.P. Morgan could best extend credit to consumers and moved over from that into the investment management side of the business. And once there, I went straight to mortgages because they realized I was a math guy and it was some of the more complex things we do in fixed income is mortgage-backed securities. So that was really how it all started out. Mm-hmm. Now, there's a, there's a, a lot of talk, an increasing talk um, in lots of areas about um, ESG and sustainability. Do, do you find people asking you about the ESG attributes of, of MBS and, and yeah, how do you respond to that? Uh, I think people generally assume that it lines well with ESG in terms of the whole purpose of the mortgage market, which is to take the savings and redistribute them to the people that need them in order to purchase homes. So it's a queer way to provide housing. Um, and even within the mortgage market itself, there are special niches. For example, Junie Mae, they will they have a, a different social mission than Fannie and Freddie. Ginny May is an actual agency of the government. They don't own securities. They only guarantee them, and they guarantee uh, securities for the Federal Housing Association, the veterans, and rural housing, things of that nature. So there are very specific ESG things, even within the overall concept of providing housing. And obviously the, the, the S part, the social part, comes heavily into that. Oh, absolutely. Stepping away purely from your day job, um, I know I know you're you're involved in a um, with a project called Nova Hope in Haiti. Can can you explain what what that is and how you got involved with it? Well, my wife is the vice president of Nova, and she's been involved for over ten years. Yeah. So, I guess a little over half a decade ago, I I joined her on a mission in Haiti. I was an EMT, so I was able to just sort of triage patients and, and such in order to help on the medical side. And I knew right away I wanted to get more involved. Yeah. Uh, so I have been the treasurer ever since and continue to travel down there and visit our permanent clinic at least once a year. And if, if there's any, any one thing that you've learned from your involvement with that project, what would, what would that be? Probably that non-financial rewards are just as valuable as monetary income. Uh, Spending time in Haiti reinforces that not everything revolves around financial compensation. The knowledge and experience that you gain working in an industry like this has actually allowed me to contribute a lot to NOVA and to the success of the mission down there. And seeing it actually come to fruition with your own eyes makes a, a tremendous impact on you. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it's a, it's a great way of, of kind of focusing your. Um, what's important and, and keeping keeping grounded. Oh, it, it, it certainly is. Um, and we've actually taken some younger people with us who 
had a couple struggles in life. And when they go down there and they see what the rest of the world is like, they realize how fortunate they actually yeah, are. Yeah, I can and well it imagine. Changes yeah. their outlook. Yeah, yeah. If you were to, if you were to be able to talk to the to the young Tom Mansley just embarking on his professional career, what what piece of advice would you give him? Do you think? Well, professionally, it seems to all worked out. And <laughs> I would also, uh, you know, what I would tell him, I would tell him to marry the same woman. Uh, uh, I was married at the age of twenty two, which is sort of young, I suppose. Yeah. Twenty nine late, twenty nine years later, we're still here. So I suppose the. Uh, Ex post empirical evidence is that it was a good idea at the time. <laughs> that sounds great advice to me. Do you still own three HP twelve C programmable calculators? One with your <laughs> one with your initials carved into it. Yes, as a matter of fact, I do. Uh, however, <laughs> uh, early on in my career, it was important to have your initials carved onto it as you sit on a trading desk, and everyone had one, but they're a little rarer these days, so it's easy to know which one is mine. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> do you still use them in your in in work oh absolutely uh-huh. i use them every day um the whole concept of reverse reverse polish notation makes calculations so much easier i i have the calculators at home as well i use them everywhere what's your favorite thing about uh about living and working in new york well i would say it's the tourists <laughs> Which is ironic because, you know, being a native New Yorker, you find tourists to be quite annoying. They are slow. They walk across the scene in a row, three across, and stopping the traffic. Yeah. They're always looking up and such. But then you, you realize that you see in their faces the sheer wonder. I mean, this is a trip of a lifetime for them. They're in New York City. Yeah. This is Times Square. This is Rockefeller Center. You know, there's so much going on. And we realize that we have the opportunity to see this every day of our lives. And you need to have that every once in a while, just sort of slapped it in the face. And you say, wow, I am a pretty lucky guy. <laughs> I like that. And we've had, we've certainly had the pleasure of your company uh, a few times here in London. What, what uh, in particular do you like to do when you come to the UK and specifically to London? First of all, I have to make sure I get a, a nice authentic Indian food dish. Uh, I think that's your best cuisine in London. Uh, chicken tiki masala might actually be the national dish at this point. I'd definitely go but, along with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's another thing about New York, you see. In New yeah. York, we have American food. We have Italian, Spanish, Mexican, Turkish, German, Japanese, Chinese, Thai, whatever it is you want. Yeah. Uh, and, and if you're over here from London, as a matter of fact, um, you can even get some fish and chips. Uh, or... <laughs> Heaven forbid a meat pie. <laughs> but I would say the other thing that I like about London is there are amazing things to see. For example, my one of my favorites is the Churchill War Room. Uh, that is really something else. It's literally straight out of the movies. Um, you know, in, in, in the age of instant data, satellites, drones, and smart bombs, it's simply unbelievable to see with your own eyes how war was actually conducted less than 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. Tom, it's been great to talk to you. Thanks for your time. Oh, it's my pleasure. For more of our insights, please visit our website, gam.com. Important legal information. The information in this podcast is given for information purposes only and does not qualify as investment advice. Opinions and assessments contained in this podcast may change and reflect the point of view of GAM in the current economic environment. 
No liability shall be accepted for the accuracy and completeness of the information. The mentioned financial instruments are provided for illustrative purposes only and shall not be considered as direct offering, investment recommendation or investment advice. Past performance is no indicator of current or future trends.